Good morning. You're still thinking about Christmas and across town we're already thinking about the new year. I just want to already plant it in your head. When you start dragging that tree out, we have a series coming up in 2022, which is even weird to come out of my lips, 2022, that it's going to be an immersive series, meaning that you'll get more involved in it than probably any other series, but it'll be about the transformation that God wants to do in your life. You'll be hearing about it more in the next couple days. Well, welcome to our series on Behold. It's a great series. I'm actually loving writing it because it it is speaking to me. If you're new to Crosstown, um, God teaches me something about a week before you guys get it. And because I'm journeying and I'm learning and I'm growing and, and I'm needing to discover and behold God in my own personal life. But last week we learned how behold is more than just seeing. There's an inception in a behold moment. There's a um, wisdom that takes place. Behold is a presentation with intention. It's kind of like a two-person deal. It's a presentation that wants to take you somewhere, but also it is a perception of the person viewing it that beholds it. It kind of works together, and I'll show you a little bit more about that. It's not just a collection of facts, and it's not just an observation of an event. Um, but it, it's, it's seeing what God is trying to accomplish. Now, I've got this incredible clip from probably one of my all-time favorite movies. So if you ever want to watch movies that I watch, I don't know why you would, but if you want to watch movies that I watch and see what's wrong with your pastor's head, this would be the movie to watch because it really speaks this idea about behold, and it's a deep movie, okay? So you need to really be in the philosophy moment here. I mean, you've got to be philosophical when you watch this moment. Let's watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Flip! Flip, wait up! Oh, hello, princess. You can call me that. Here, you forgot this. Thanks. You can keep it. I can make another one. I like you. I mean, there's some deep stuff about really? to happen here. Well, really you're the deep. first. I'm beginning to think nothing I do works. This works? Great. One success. I'm never going to make a difference. Me neither. I'm a royal ant, and I can't even fly yet. I'm too little. Oh, being little's not such a bad thing. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's too. Is not. It's too. Is not. It's too. It's not. Oh. A seat. I need, I need a seat. Uh. Uh, here. Here. Pretend. Pretend that that's a seat. It's a rock. Oh, I know it's a rock. I know, but let's just pretend for a minute that it's a seed, all right? We'll just use our imaginations. Now, now, do you see our tree? Everything that made that giant tree is already contained inside this tiny little seed. All it needs is some time, a little bit of sunshine and rain, and voila! This rock will be a tree. Seed to tree. You've got to work with me here, all right? Okay. Now, you might not feel like you can do much now, but that's just because, well, you're not a tree yet. You just have to give yourself some time. You're still a seed. But it's a rock. I know it's a rock! Don't you think I know a rock when I see a rock? I've spent a lot of time around rocks! You're weird. But I like you. I think this really just speaks to, I mean, if we could say the God-person conversation, is that sometimes at Christmas time we get caught up in the rock story and we forget the real story that's going on. 
You know, a lot of us will get caught on whether or not, how did that star move? And, and how did it find its place? And what was going on in astronomy that made that happen? Well, that's the rock story. But there's also the tree story that is trying to be communicated in the middle of this. And so like, here, here's a Christmas tree, and this is part of the rock story. And some of the celebrations that we have, the eggnog, the parties that we'll have, the things that we'll go through, they may be part of the rock story. And even maybe some of the things that we'll look at in the Christmas story. Some of us will fall into um, this idea of loving just baby Jesus. We'll get into the baby Jesus story. I'm not going to quote Talladega Nights or anything like that. I don't want you to think that I'm watching that movie too. But it might have slipped through there. But, you know, we'll get caught on the story, the Christmas story, and then forget what is the tree story. What is it that God is trying to accomplish? And this not only happens with Christmas, it will happen with events in our lives. Things that you and I will go through, encounters and um, challenges, successes, that will all of a sudden have an experience in life, and it's like, this just looks like a stupid rock. It's like, and, and God's like, I know it's a rock. You know, you got to work with me here. You know, he's trying to communicate a deeper principle in our lives. And beholding is, is when we allow God to speak to our soul. It's not just seeing the rock. It's beholding what God's trying to do in a moment. It's the prompting of a response. And it's that catalyst that he gives us for change in our life. So there's no surprise that the word behold, not see, but the word behold shows up intentionally in the scriptures over 1,200 times. And the Christmas story is loaded with these beholding moments. They're not just seeing moments. It's not just a cute little story. It's not inflatables in front of your house, though it may be involved with inflatables in your house. I'm not gonna put down the inflatable. I, I, I probably have more inflatables in my yard than anybody else here. Um, but, it, but it's remembering it's, it's not a rock. It's the seed. It's about this idea of what God wants to grow up in you, the kingdom that he wants to bring into your life. And so we're in the middle of a season where we can get caught up on budget your Amazon list. That's the new thing now, I guess. I didn't, didn't, I'm a little slow to the table on this, but now all your family members, kind of like a, a wedding register um, and baby shower register, now you can make your Christmas register on your Amazon account. So when I go to my, my account, I look underneath and it says Susan's list, Dawn's list, you know, Morgan's list. Like everybody's got a list. And it's easy for, for all of us to get caught up into the rock moment of Christmas, the budget moment. How am I going to afford this? How much of those pair of earbuds? What, you know, what do you want for Christmas type of thing? And forget the seed story. Forget the tree story. What is it that God is trying to do with you and me? It's more than just rub a bump bum but rather there's something that God wants to do and have done in our lives. And that's what we're trying to go back and rediscover. Behold, there's an invitational moment established by God. It's kind of like a ta-da moment. And then it's also, it's a transformative response given by man. Otherwise, it's just something that you saw happen, like seeing a fly, I mean, a, a bird fly across the sky. There's this idea of the person that's trying to invite you into a moment, and then there's also you needing to respond. And, and God initiates this moment. 
And then it's, it's up to us to complete it. And I, I used last week, and I, I looked into it even more, uh, this idea of the double helix of DNA. And, and this idea of seeing is one part of the strand, and then the response is the other part of a behold moment. It's kind of like the, the composition of it. And, and I, so I started looking at DNA a little bit more this week and, and trying to understand how that kind of speaks to me because I, I love how science speaks God into my life. And I was noticing the rung of the ladder that goes between the two strands. If, if the strand on the left is the, the seeing and the strand on the right is the response, and together they have to connect in order for it to become a viable behold moment. So I was looking at this, this ladder rung, and I'm not really well-versed in biology, but I was looking at it, and so I did a little bit of study and, and asked my daughter who teaches high school biology about this thing called complementary pairs. It's got, you got these chemical things over here, and, and, and some of them play well with each other better than others, but they, they, they seem to bind up in a, a, this, this bond in pairs together, and they're complementary pairs. So this one goes with that one. You know, I can't even pronounce them, but they, all I know is that they do this thing where they join up together. And it made me realize is that when the DNA of a, a, a transformative moment, when, when God really speaks into your life and it really changes your life, there has to be this ladder where you connect willingly, complementarily with God and form this spiritual bond where this is connected together. And I think that's really interesting. Then it becomes a behold moment. Like I said last week, you can read through the Bible and you can see the principles of the Bible. You can see the stories. But it doesn't mean that you've entered into this, this complementary union with God's willingness. You know, that they, we, we submit our willingness to God to take this journey. Well, it was interesting when I looked at that, I looked at the distance of these ladders, I began to realize that most people in the Christmas story have to travel to a distance for the behold to, to happen. They have to make the ladder trip, that ladder that connects it. And I began to think about my own life, is that when I see God do something special in my life, when I see when God really presents himself in a way that's transformative to me, I have to make a journey. I have to make a journey out of my presuppositions. I have to make a journey out of my comfort. Um, I have to take a journey to, into an area of, uh, of something that may be mystery to me, and I have to be willing to be complementary to God, meaning that I have to submit a willingness to allow this bond to happen. I won't go deep into it, but in Bible language, we call that a covenant is when two complementary elements join together and there's a willingness to make a journey. All kinds of men and women of God were invited on journeys with God, willingness journeys. They, they start with the seeing and they end up with this response and there's a journey of Abraham, Moses, Deborah, Mary, Joseph, everybody, each and every one of us are being invited by God to into a complementary relationship with him where we have a willingness of heart for him to take us to one place to another. And that when we're willing to do that, a viable spiritual gene is born inside of each and every one of us. And that gene actually becomes the Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
So this whole metaphor, I, I think it's a profound metaphor, is this idea of, of this bond, this willingness of the presentation of God and then the response of man. And am I willing to make this journey? Am I willing to be complimentary with God? Am I willing to allow myself to pair with God in covenant relationship? So, for the behold of God, you've got to ask yourself, no matter how clever, how good, or even how divinely inspired I may be today, the success of what you hear today and from this point forward with God will totally depend on, on whether or not you're willing to go the distance. If you're willing to go from this strand of observation to this strand of response, and if you're willing have a willingness of heart to make this journey with God. See, that's what we see take place with the shepherds last week. They were willing to leave their flocks and they went and saw the child in Bethlehem that was being born. They were willing to take that journey. Their journey was different than what we would take, but it's still a journey. Today, we're gonna to look at another group that had to be willing in order to make this journey. See, the grace of God is free to every one of us. You don't have to earn the grace of God. But you've got to be willing to take the journey with the grace of God in your life. So let me read you a Christmas story, and you're going to see the DNA of the behold unfold. Matthew 2, verse 1 starts off, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Okay, now we're finding the rung of the DNA. They were willing to take a journey. And, and they arrive in, in Jerusalem and they say this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. I did this just a beautiful statement right there. It's like we have seen, so there's the presentation. Okay, but that's not enough, is it? Because to really behold something, there has got to be the other strand that is combined with it. The other strand is that we will come to worship him. The implication of what they saw. So we've got these two strands, and now they have to be joined together. And the joining of them together, it says, we have come from the east. Okay, it's they had to be willing to make this journey. They understood what the implication was. It's like, wow, there's a new ruler being born. And, and we saw it. And every one of us here, born in America over the last, you know, 75 years, we see the Christmas story. Oh, sure, there's a little Grinch involved, and there's a Frosty the Snowman involved, and there's this guy called Santa Claus that I unfortunately blew up last week for some of your families by accidentally letting the cat out of the bag. But, you know, I mean, so we, we, there's all these other stories. But we need to realize what is the real implication of this story? What is really going on in this story? Sure, you see the rock, but do you see the seed? Do you see the tree? Do you see what God wants to grow up in your life? So it's interesting that they start this whole day, they're like, wow, this is amazing. What does this mean? When they figure out what it's gonna mean for them, which means worship, they said, we're willing to take that trip. So you got to just ask yourself here today, I, it's, it's not going to be whether or not I am an effective pastor today. It's not going to be whether or not you like Crosstown Christian Church today. It's all going to come down to whether or not you're willing to take the trip. 
and of whether or not you're willing to walk in a complementary relationship with God, hand in hand, heart in heart, willingness and willingness together with God. Because if you are willing to do that, and I know you don't understand a lot of it, and I don't understand a lot of it, but you know, if you're willing to do that, the behold becomes something viable in your life, transformative in your life. Otherwise, you stare at Christianity, it's a rock. I know it's a rock, you know? And, and, and you just get caught up in the rock story and, and miss everything else that's going on. So I want to just take a look at the Magi. First of all, the Magi know that the observation leads somewhere. They're not just stargazing. And I don't know if you've been out lately. It's amazing. Um, uh, I think it's Jupiter that's running pretty high. And then there's um, Venus that's running low on the horizon. I mean, you can see them almost clearly. And then if you look really hard or if you travel out to Hollywood someplace or some get out where it's a little dark, you can see Saturn right between them. You can actually connect the line and see three planets at the same time. You know, so these guys aren't just standing out there going like, okay, this is amazing. See this incredible star. This is a, what an incredible phenomenon. But they're like, no, we think there's an implication going on here. Now, I don't understand the science, the astrology, the prophecies, and all that other stuff, and how that all worked, and how they knew this was all going to happen. And there is some data about that, but we're not going to go into that today. But they didn't just stare at the story because it was um, Black Friday, or because Thanksgiving's over. And Lowe's takes all the Halloween stuff out and then brings all the other Christmas stuff in. Matter of fact, I'm willing to bet the Christmas stuff is probably already out of Lowe's uh, or Home Depot. I'm not indicting them for some evil. Either it's been sold out, but they're constantly moving you because, you know, it's like, hey, you see this, see this, see this, see this. We'll constantly throw things in front of you. See what? See, see, see. Our world is seeing all kinds of things. I mean, TikTok, I mean, I, even I'm a chump. I mean, I'm, I sit there with my Facebook. I'm like this old guy now that kind of like just discovered the internet. And so I'm like, oh, there's these little videos. Oh, look at the little cat. Oh, look at the dogs and the cats together. And I'm like a, a blooming idiot. And I'm just like going from one to the other. And Susan will hear me chuckling and laughing. And I'm like, I didn't know a donkey could do that. You know, it's on a, on a trampoline in somebody's backyard. I know. <laughs> but it, it's kind of like, there's a lot of things to see in this world, isn't there? But you know, there are very few things worth beholding in this world. I mean, the kind of stuff that you let go down deep in your soul that has the power to transform you. There's very little of that. At least very little of it positive. So these guys knew that we're not just stargazing. We're not just like logging, yeah, I saw that. This bird came to my feeder, wrote that down. But rather, it's like, no, this means something. And so when we go into scriptures, when we read passages of scripture, we're not just reading to be like, oh, that was cool. Let's post it on our Facebook page. But rather, it's like, what's the implication of what God just said? They were willing to take the journey. Now, just think about it. We're, we're told they're kings or magi, so they're people of influence, people of position, but they were willing to leave the comforts of their current condition in order to discover something new that God was doing. I'm gonna have to say that's really the basis of everything today. It's like, will we be willing to leave the routine of our current lives, the success, 
failure, pain, joy, pleasure, wealth, poverty, whatever. Would we be willing to walk away from it to discover something new that God wants to do in our lives? Would we be willing to take that journey? Or all we, we're just going to get as much as God as long as, God, you come on my journey. You know, I love that kind of God. It's like, God, here's what I'm doing. You know, and we're going to take this trip. And God, come on, get in the car. We, gotta, we can seat seven. Get back there with the kids. You know, it's like, come on our journey. Or are we willing to, God says, listen, I'm creating all things, making all things new. The old things are passing away. I want to create something new. Are we willing to take that journey to something new? They were willing to leave the comforts and the discomforts to discover something new that God was doing. I also think it's important that they knew before they even left, they knew that the journey's end has a significant implication. Just think about coming here today. I don't know what motivated you here. Hey, let me just tell you, I'm just like you. Sometimes I'm here because I, I get paid to be here. All right, I'm not going to lie to you. There are some Sundays where, you know, got to go to church. And my wife's, but you're the pastor. But it's like, yeah, but I got I, I to gotta, I gotta go to church. And, um, but let me ask you today. Did, when you got up today and you did everything, was it routine that brought you here? Um, or did you get into your car, and when you walked from your car here, did you think that it is possible God's going to change my life today? I mean, seriously, did you really think that it could happen? That today could be the day that if I enter into a journey with God and I am, uh, have a willing heart to walk into, into relationship with him, that this could, this could change my life. I don't think most people go to church thinking it's going to change their lives. I mean, to be honest with you, as we prepare, we fall into the trap of whether or not you like us or not. Did you like the music? Did you like the video clip? Was I clever? What did I, you know? It's like, oh, good, just, you know, leave us a good feedback on Facebook and Google. You know, that would be cool if you give us a five star. It's like, what are you, a sale? What are you, like a new car salesman or what? It's like, no, church is a place of implication. If Christ died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again, there's a dramatic implication with that. And these guys are like, listen, we're going to go on this journey, but you know what? If we go on this journey, there's an implication of it. So when we get to the other end of this, we're going to worship. That's right up front in their story. It's in their mission statement. So let me ask you in your kind of personal manifesto of coming here today. Did you come here with the mentality of journeying with God, and it's like, I'm open, God, today for you to change me, to behold you. The story continues. When Herod the king heard this, I love Herod. He's just a piece of work. But he's, he's my kind of piece of work because he's just, I, I got a little Herod in me. And so when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And he's the king of Jerusalem. We just were told that there was going to be a new king. Okay, again, another God implication. You got to decide if you want a new king or not. When the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, 
are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Okay, I think this is, this is the big takeaway for us today. Herod does not doubt the claims of the observation. Okay, he's not there like, so you're telling me a star led you here. Okay, it's like, no, we're into science in here in Jerusalem, and, you know, come on. You're telling me that you were led here by a star. He, he doesn't doubt the claims of it. I don't believe in America that everybody's smarter today than we were 50 years ago. I don't think people are pouring over, you know, biological data, DNA, and, and uh, ast uh, astronomy, and astrophysics, and quantum, and going, you know, I don't believe, in, I don't believe God because I'm looking at all this evidence. I don't think Herod has a problem, you know, this, his whole thing is not whether or not it's scientifically valid. He just doesn't want the implication. And that's where we are. Because I will tell you this, if Jesus Christ died and he rose again, and if he's coming again, and if he is born to be king, ruler, shepherd, and nothing less. He didn't, he didn't come to present himself, and a friend will be born to you in the city of David. A best buddy will be born to you in the city of David. No, the implication is ruler, king, shepherd. You know, so what does that mean? What's the implication? It was like, well, that means if I'm dating, how I, what sex is like in dating, there's an implication. Um, how I have sex, and I don't know, it's like, I know you're picking up a theme, I always seem to go towards biology and sex, but you know, it, it's kind of a, it's, it's an earth mover for me, okay? So it, it's kind of a thing, and it's like, but it's like, it's like, no, it will impact who you have sex with, when you have sex, you know, regardless of what you think you're, you're created or oriented towards or anything like that, it's like God's not saying, oh, no, 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 I'm here to affirm your orientation. I'm here. No, he's like, no, I'm here to take you on a journey that is calling you to be something different, something new, okay? The journey for me, I never really, I didn't battle with the orientation issue, and I know that some people genuinely do. Um, for me, it was the chauvinist issue. For me, it was the issue of making, uh, was the misogyny issue, okay? Am I a man who cherishes his wife? You know, and, and for a guy born in the 1950s, I came from that, that goo that you know about and you don't like very much, and, and, and it's like, well, why aren't you still in that goo of, of misogyny or chauvinism or thinking women as second-class citizens and that they're just there and we're all madmen and, and you're just here for all of us and, and, you know, and, and I'm a white guy and it's about us you know, being supreme over the world and all that other stuff. Why aren't you like that, Paul? Because there was a day when God presented me with a behold moment and I decided I was going to take the journey. That this world didn't need another 62-year-old white baby boomer who was a chauvinist. And all of a sudden, when the scripture said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her, I'm not fighting over who's submitting to who. I just realized God told me, I'm supposed to die for this woman. Whatever she does is her thing between her and Jesus. 
but I'm told I'm supposed to die for this woman. So let me just tell you, if, if uh, you don't want the implication of God, then you might want to just look at the Christmas story as a rock, okay? But if you really look at the real story, it's going to grow into a tree. And it's going to be, it's going to change how you do marriage. It's going to change how you do money. I mean, we hardly talk about money at Crosstown here. We should probably talk about money more often here at Crosstown, but we don't. But I know tithing is stupid, okay? I know it. In your rational American mind, giving up 10% of your income to the church to honor God, I know it looks like a rock, and a rock that most of us can't lift. But when you think about the implication, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Look not on your own interest, but on the interest of others, or honor me in all things. All of a sudden, it's like, I'll take that journey. Here's my 10%, God, because I think the journey is worth taking that. That's just a small, forgiveness is another one. Some of you have really good rights to not forgive another person. Turn the other cheek, oh my goodness, I cannot stick my finger down my throat far enough on how absurd that concept is in the 21st century. But yet, if I really believe this Christmas story, if I see it more than just as a rock, as I see it as ruler, king, shepherd is born in Israel, if I see it like the wise men and take that journey, then yeah, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. See, I don't think we have a problem with the data. I think we have a problem with the implication. So um, just think about that. You know, you might have been hiding behind science. I'm, the reason why I'm the pastor of the church is because you can't hide behind science. Okay, I can tell you. I'll have that argument with you. You can't hide there. Hide behind implication? Oh, all day long. Hide behind willingness and complimentary journey with God? Totally got that. Totally understand that. Then Herod secretly called the Magi. Now, let me just say, whenever a story goes, uses the word secretly here, I always look for it to, it's kind of like changing its modal communication or narrative a little bit. Whenever I see like he's going secretive, what it's telling me is that this is not just a broad story. This is also now becoming a very personal inner story. So the word secretively is being used here is because it's telling me this is what's going on inside of his heart. Yeah, he's having a real conversation with the Magi, but we know this is what's going on inside the heart. And this may be what is going on inside some of our hearts. Then Herod called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Okay? So this a secret conversation tells us that there's some undertow going on. It's like, do we really want what God is offering? I know you're not going to say it here. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Hey, how many of you here really don't want God's offering? Raise your hand today with me today. You know, you're not going to, you don't have to raise that. But let me just say, in those moments when you have to choose about whether or not you're going to live with this guy, whether you're going to sleep with this person, whether or not you're going to honor the Lord with serving or finances, whether or not you're going to forgive another person or another, those secret conversations that every single one of us have, what is that, what kind of deal are we trying to make there with God? 
you know, you go and worship. I'm not making the journey. I want to make somebody else to make the journey for me. Let me just say this. You are the only person that can make the journey between you and God. Your mama can't do it. Your great-great-grandma, who did mission work all of her life, you know, did not make the journey for you. She made the journey for herself. You have to make this journey. And Herod's like, you know, I got to get somebody else to do it. Hey, I can't make this journey for you. You, you. you can't go to like, there's a gazillion great churches in this city. I'm telling you what, if I ever get fired from my job or just, you know, go someplace, I, there's like a gazillion really good churches. But I tell you what, there is no church in this city that can do it for you. You're going to have to make the journey. You're going to have to connect the strands. You're going to have to be complementary with the plan of God, what he wants to turn you into. He doesn't like the destination. He doesn't want to change. And here's the big thing. He doesn't want to give up rulership. Oh, we're in America right now. It's so crazy. We are fighting over civil liberties like, like banshees. Okay. And I mean, I just, I don't know, I'm not trying to scare anybody here. But China is over there putting together billions of people in an army, surpassing our military. They, the news just came out that they will be twice as far in the space program in the next decade than us. They're just like ramping it up, ramping it up, and we're fighting each other, you know? We're, we're QAnon-ing it, Black Lives Mattering it, attacking each other. You have Republicans against Democrats, women against men, whites against blacks. Oh, I mean, oh, we're just, just, just beating each other up. You know, because we want to have our civil liberties. And while we're doing that, we got China and Russia amassing and ready to move upon the world. I'm not making this stuff up. It, it's real. Well, let me just tell you, their rule is not going to be very favorable. They're not going to make sure you keep your minivan. Okay? And I'm not just being a doomsday person. I'm just saying that we better figure out Who's our, who our rulers are going to be. Because if it's our civil liberties, we're lost. And so Herod realized, well, if I allow Jesus to live, this little child to live, I'm going to lose my right to rule. And I'm going to tell you, there is no version of Christianity, no version of Christianity, I hate to say this because I'm going to lose half of you, I, there is no version of Christianity where you get to rule. It's all about Jesus ruling. I mean, it's, it's the only gospel. It's the only one. You were sold some rock story. It's not the rock story. It's Jesus Christ who was born. The, the, these guys knew it. They said, we come to see the king, the ruler, the shepherd that has been born in Israel. Not my buddy. So, Herod doesn't like the destination at all. I don't like the destination. Sometimes I'm on the journey and I get ticked with God. It's like, where the heck are you leading me? I don't, I'm out. I get it. I have, I have all those same feelings and experiences. But I have determined that I would rather rule with the king, ruler, shepherd of Israel than to run my own life. I would rather have 90% of my money with giving 10% to God than to have 100% of my money without the partnership of God. I would rather have the fellowship and the love and the honor of my wife by dying for her 
than trying to rule the roost and constantly fighting for control. Oh my goodness. So after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. See, the star was the physical representation of the behold moment. The child, we're going to find out, is the real behold for them. Religion is a rock. That's all it is. It's a rock. The child is the real behold. The star was just a shiny ball of burning gas, as they say in Lion King. I, wow, I got all my theological training in Disney, okay, and Disney animation. This is terrible. But, but so it, it's, that's just the rock. It, you're going to find out that it's the child that they're really jacked about. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped. That's where our journey leads. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, the discovery of the child and his implication to rule and to be a part of that rule was the impetus for the journey. It wasn't about astronomy. It wasn't about come see something new. It was like, no, I want to be a part of this guy's rulership. I want to be under this man's authority. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And too often our pursuit of God is not motivated for the right reasons. And the problem is, is that it gives Christianity a bad rap. Well, I tried Christianity. I went to church a couple times and I tried to do this because I thought, you know, this, he was going to do this. And I, you know, I asked him to fix this for me. He didn't fix me. It fixed it for me. It's bogus. How many times have I heard that story? It's like, well, you weren't on the journey that God was calling you on. You know, you didn't, you weren't heading to this place where Paul says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Not that Jesus Christ is Redeemer, which he is, not Jesus Christ is my big brother, which he is. Not that Jesus, no, no, it's that he's sovereign over my life. It's like if you walk, if you enter into that where the two strands, the presentation of God and the response of man bind together, that is life-giving transformation. And then, I think it's interesting, they give the Christ child their best. And I think that's the hardest part for us. I mean, they all of a sudden laying down gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are not cheap commodities. You know, they didn't, you know, sometimes we've got this basket in the back here, of our, not of our church, in the parking lot. It's a yellow thing for people to give stuff for moms, you know, and you put your stuff in the basket, in that container. And some of you have done that, and it's really cool. And you, you know, if you've got something else. But you know what? Sometimes I see the crap that people shove in that thing. Okay, we got a dumpster right next to it. If you want to throw away your crap, you can throw away in the dumpster. But too often, the goodwill and to all this other stuff, I'll look sometimes and, and it will be just all around and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was somebody thinking that a, a mom with a newborn actually was going to, you know, use that? 
I mean, it was just like, what, what were you thinking? And I, and I think a lot of times when we come to God, we're like, okay, God, you know, uh, I'll include you in this. But it's like, no, these guys are like, we want to get there because we want to give him our best. Now, sometimes your best is your best pain or your best failure or your best disappointment. I mean, whatever it is that you got in your heart, that's really your best. And he'll take all of it. He doesn't care if it glows in the dark. He doesn't care if you can knock on it. He doesn't know if it becomes incense. I don't think the Christ child cares. The fact is, I got these guys' heart. That's the real story. And having been warned by God in a dream not to go to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Most of us don't know this part of the story. I mean, so Jesus is on the run with his mother. And they flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Don't be surprised that there's a part of you that wants to kill the God story. Don't be surprised. I mean, does that make you evil? It makes you fallen and broken like the rest of us. But there's some parts of the God story I would just really like to kill. I mean, it's like, I, it's really inconvenient, and I really don't like it. And Herod just kind of represents this for us. So Joseph took, got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Herod, I mean, for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Out of Egypt, I will call my son. Then when... Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi. He became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all this vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Yeah. I know this is a gross story, but how many times have we killed the real story of God in our personal lives just because we didn't like its implication? Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Herod shut down the behold for himself. You can do that. You can shut down the behold of God for you. But you cannot shut down the behold of God. See, Herod could not kill the behold of God for all others, but he could kill it for himself. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Wow. So nobody's going to kill God. I don't care what they announced in the 1940s, 1950s, the death of God. I mean, you know, it, it does, you can kill the behold for yourself if you would like to do that. But you can chase Jesus all over the planet. You ain't going to kill him. Okay? The implication of God will continue and remain and will be pre presented. How church will look in the United States in the next 10 years, I don't know. Will we own buildings? I don't know. I'm up for it, okay? I'm up for a new challenge. I do know this, that no matter how America changes and who changes it, 
The implication of God will remain and the, and the Son of God will not be extinguished. Whether or not we as a culture will behold it, we get to choose. But you get to choose whether or not you're going to make this journey with God. So as we're closing, let me, as I was reading this story, did you find yourself in the story? Do you just like stargazing? Is that what Sunday morning is? I mean, if it is, I, we're not the best show in town, okay? I mean, really, I, I think the best show in town, if you're just stargazing, probably happens on Saturday night someplace. It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, are you stargazing? Are you willing to make God's journey? That's the big one. Do you embrace the king, ruler, shepherd? Or were you trying to invent some other Jesus? Because he was not born anything else. I don't care what those stupid self-help books say. I don't care what that podcast says. I don't care what America's turned him into. He was born king, ruler, shepherd. Or let me ask you this. Do you kill the story in your heart? Do you try to shut it up? The quality of your spiritual DNA will depend on your journey. It's not the grandiose of the moment that makes it go deep into the soul. It's not the star that does it. It's the willingness to learn and to, to determine the profoundness of the king, child, ruler, shepherd. That's where the change happens. And God's inviting every one of us here on this journey. I'm on this journey right now with, with God. Me and God are on, it's a little different journey than the ones I've had before with him. I don't always like it, some parts of the journey I get really ticked at him about, but all of a sudden there'll be times, it's like every time I take a step with this journey, it's like, oh my goodness, he's revealing this about me. He's revealing this about him. He's really revealing this about them. And every time I, I take another step with God, no matter how difficult the journey may be, it's like, oh my goodness, God's doing something amazing in my life. Change only happens when you're willing to leave where you are to be where God wants you to be. Or change only happens when you're willing to leave who you are to become who God wants you to be. That's the journey of Christianity. He said, I didn't know that. Yeah, because you were presented with a rock. And it's so much more than a rock. It's a seed, it's a tree, it's the kingdom of God and nobody can put it out. But you can decide whether or not you will behold it. Father, we thank you for this moment. And God, a lot of us came here today and we came here because our girlfriend or our wives or our kids, we came here because it's seasonal. No judgment in that, but all of a sudden, we discovered this is not about, this is not a rock story. This is not a star story. This is about a journey that produces spiritual DNA that transforms us into the likeness of God's dear son. And God, I don't like everything about 
the journey that you have taken me on or invited me on. But I do know this, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete that work. And I know also that greater is he who is in me than the Herod that's in the world or the Herod that tries to reject you in my heart. So Father God, today, we now know it's not a rock, but it's you calling us deep into relationship with you. Father, as we take the communion, as we have a moment of prayer and pin it to the cross, as we pray with the elders, as we maybe just stay in our seat and we worship, Lord God, let the implication that we become new creations in Christ, that old things pass away, become a reality to us. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord.